What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Baseball Season and the Ballsy Podcast for opening day. Rangers opening day against Seattle is Monday as we're recording this. I'm Evan Grant from Dallas Morning News and Sports Day DFW, joined by Kevin Sherrington. Say hello. Say hello. And Barry Horn. A man who needs no introduction. No, a man who really carried on the things very well all by himself last good week. To see all by himself. It's good, to see Unbelievable. Bo- it's good to see both of you here. And yeah, most importantly, the two of you don't matter because we are joined by Michael Young, Rangers great, uh, who Hello, is gentlemen. somewhere out there. Hello. How are you? Hello, how are you guys doing? I'm doing great. I'm getting ready to go to the ballpark. What are you doing? I'm going to the gym. Well, I'm in my car right now. I'm on the tollway heading south. Exercise is important. Evan has a question. What exactly is a gym? Evan wants to know. <laughs> That's good. Jim, Jim Buffett. Jim Buffett. Jim Buffett. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Michael, have you seen the video of Evan eating that wicked pig sandwich? No. I mean, honestly, like I that I can't think of many things that would make me want to throw up more than that. <laughs> but... I, I, I thank you for the visual. I'll keep it with me for the rest of the day. Yeah, you know, something something along the lines of Babe the Pig is something that maybe he would have had. That, that's what it kind of reminds me Well, actually, me. if it was eating Babe the whole pig. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's get to baseball, and let's let's forget about the wicked pig for yes, a few minutes. let's forget about that. Uh, yes, sir. Michael, as special assistant to the general manager, um, how optimistic are you going into this baseball season? I'm extremely optimistic. I think it's, I think it's a championship contending team i i expect us to win the division again and make some noise um an unbelievable starting point to start the way we did uh make the acquisitions that uh, that we made in the in the summer then to close out and win the division was was an incredible season for us and uh especially after 2014 which basically last year represented a new beginning and everything that happened with the world series teams um was kind of put to bed a little bit and this is a new team a new era and um a very very promising start last year, so I expect us to build on it. What you spent a little bit of time in spring training. Um, what was your what were your biggest kind of takeaways from from what you saw out there and what you experienced? Well, one I think the biggest thing which you want to go into spring training is you want to come out of there with health, which we did. Uh, so that already makes it a very productive camp. But then you always search for kind of the vibe. Uh, spring training is a time for teams really to come together. Uh, you don't really worry about veteran players going out there performing. They could have a good spring. They could have a lousy spring. It has nothing to do with predicting their in-season performance. So I think the biggest thing you want to see is team come together. And in that sense, our camp was incredibly productive. It was very positive. Um, a lot of very good vibes out there. Uh, if they walked around, they, they walked and talked like a team that believes in themselves and expects to make some noise this year. Michael, what do you feel most positive about uh, going into the season, about the team? Well, I think the two things that really stick out are uh, specifically are our position player depth and our bullpen. Um, our position player depth is sick. You know, we have a lot of really talented guys, um, but the, I guess like you can say uh, the, our position player core is, is very veteran. So the guys have been around a long time, uh, but they're also guys who have played through some bang-ups over the years. 
So you need to have that depth. And we have a ton of young position player depth that can come up and pick up the slack if a couple guys need a couple weeks off in order to kind of get their bodies ready to rock and roll again. And then you look at our bullpen looks like right now. Our bullpen is absolutely stout. In my opinion, it's the best bullpen the Rangers have ever had. Uh, so we have now the opportunity to shorten games. And not only shorten games, but given how deep our pen is, you don't have to rely on the same guys every single time. So you don't have to torch your pen as the season progresses. So I think that's just a massive strength for our team. Um, and then, of course, when we get when we get you Darvish back in, into our rotation, that gives us more more starting pitcher depth. So uh, it's it's a really really good club. Yeah, I, I thought the vibe was as good as any vibe I'd been around during a spring training. Uh, just from the idea that this team had, it, it seemed like they had fun. And I don't want to make it seem like this that there was it, it was camp fun or anything like that. It was there was purpose to the way they went about their work. But it was done with the idea that we're not going to make spring training tedious. And I think spring training on a lot of occasions can get tedious. The thing, the three things that stood out for me, Michael, were, as you mentioned, uh, some of the young players. I, I thought the, uh, the prospects showed up really well. Obviously, coming out of spring training with the level of health that this team did is a huge development, I think, and can't be overstated. And then the third thing uh, that stood out for me was the play of Rugnet Odor, who I think is is bound for superstardom uh, at, at a very early age. It, what what could potentially hold Rugi back? Uh, everybody is kind of going on this on this tangent that this guy is going to be a superstar this year. What's the one thing he's got to watch for that would potentially be a, a drawback for him? I mean. The one thing that could hold him back is maybe the Zika virus. I, nothing, <laughs> I like that. Nothing. Whoa. Nothing. I mean, this guy is an absolutely, you know, I think he's just a fantastic player. Um, I think the sky's the limit. You talk, he has every skill you can possibly ask for. Um, and you combine that with his work ethic, his mentality, his approach to the game, his aggressiveness, the obvious enthusiasm he has for the game. And the sky really is the limit. I think the biggest thing is, and this isn't this isn't a knock. This is just an experience thing. He's a very young left-handed hitter, so young left-handed hitters have to see good big league left-handed pitching in order to get used to it. So that's all that is. I mean, I fully expect him to wear out right-handers and then continue to progress against lefties. But um, the good thing about him is that he is not afraid of anything out there, and he's going to go out there and, and compete hard every single time he's out there. So I'm I've. A huge fan of this kid, have been since day one, and um, I expect him to really build on what he did uh, after his recall last year. Now, Michael, I wrote uh, earlier this spring that I feel like Ruggie could be a 30-30 guy. Do you think that's his ceiling? Um, you know, I, hate, I, I, I think he's definitely capable of doing that. Um, as far as ceiling goes, I don't know. I, I hate to put a, a ceiling on a kid that young. Uh, but I do expect him, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought the stolen base bar, I do expect him to really build on that part of it this year. Um, he's a very he's a fast kid, and, and uh, I think now once you see him now he's going to start to develop a little more. He's still so young, and now you're going to see his base stealing instincts get better. His uh, you know his knowledge of the league is going to get better. Of pitchers, of catchers, um, and he's going to put all those things to use. And I totally expect him to be a lot more active on the bases um, and really expand his game in that sense. And he he had he, you know we've cited this stat before, but according to Bill James and Active Sports, he was the fastest Ranger going from first to second last year. Uh, about a hundredth of a second faster than, than Delano to Shields. I think you guys have some other proprietary information that may suggest that that the way you guys measure it, DeShields was a little bit faster. The point is, 
He is extremely fast. He hasn't been a great base stealer to this point, less than 50%. But as he talked about during spring training, he's talked with Elvis. He's studied pitchers more. He's got a better idea now about pitchers' times. The one thing about Ruggi that still concerns me is the occasional lapses into extreme aggressiveness. Is 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 that at all a a concern? No, no. As a matter of fact, I'm, when you're talking about a young player, I would much rather have him err on the side of being aggressive uh, rather than having to you know, kick him in the shorts and get him going a little bit. You don't have that problem with Rookie. So I think for, for me, I'd rather have a kid who's super aggressive who really brings it every night and really pushes the envelope and you have to reel him back a little bit as opposed to the guy that you have to you know, constantly motivate him to get him to play. That's not a problem with Rookie. And I think, like I said, I think the biggest thing with him is those are things that reps are going to take care of. And you know, when I was young, I was doing the same thing. I was, you know, diving head first into first on ground balls. I mean, those things kind of get tailed back once you kind of realize what it means to go through a whole season, what it means to play banged up for 162 of these things. You start to realize what works, what doesn't, and what what keeps you in the best shape to go out and perform every night. By the way, by the way, Michael, you still are young because you're Michael Young. Thank you. Oh God, Bill. right? Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, but particularly at the plate, the aggressiveness is not is not an issue for you either. No, not at all, not at all. I mean, uh, I like I said, this is a guy who wants to go up there and, and and do some damage. I'm not expecting him to go out there and win a batting title this year. I'm not expecting him to walk 140 times. Um, I expect him to go out there and prove. I expect him to play his game. Listen, I'm not. I, I have no desire to see Ruggy turn into Joey Votto. None. I want Ruggy to be Ruggy, and. For me, I don't think at all people are going to want to say, well, maybe we can get Rugi's on base percentage up. Maybe we can do this. For me, Rugi's style of play is just as important as any stat you can throw out there. Mm -hmm. Those things come into play on the baseball field at 7.05. Maybe they might not come into play when you're chopping up stance for your fantasy team. Trust me, I'm, I'm all about numbers. I think that they're great. I think they're incredibly useful. But they don't tell the whole story. So an analytic approach doesn't tell the whole story, nor, nor does an old-school approach. You have to find that fine line. And Ruggie's style of play and the way he puts pressure on defenses and the way he elevates the play of the guys around him is just as important as any stat you can throw out there. You know, the the last, last year he came out of the gates, and I think that first game when the Rangers really fell flat on their face against the A's and were nearly no hit by Sonny Gray, he saw three pitches and three plate appearances. And I shocking think that, you had to throw Sonny Gray into this. I was just waiting for you to bring up Sonny Gray at some point in this chat. You know I love he's my Sonny a, Gray. He's got a big crush I mean, on Sonny. I mean, it had to happen at some point. I was just waiting, waiting for it. But, but my point what kind of, here... What kind, of, what, kind of, what kind of weather is it going to be out there today, Evan? It'll be sunny, sunny but gray. there's a chance it could be gray, Michael. Um, okay. right. But my point on this was that I think that that aggressiveness early in the season, when you talk about you don't want to change who he is and you don't want to worry about the OBP as much, I do think that in that first month last year, it was stressed a little bit to him. Hey, we got to take more pitches. We got to, we got to, we've got to be a little bit more disciplined at the plate. And I do think that made him almost too passive to the point that when May came around and he was sent down, he had no idea who he was at that point. Maybe. And he's also talking about a 21-year-old kid at that point, too. Um, I think the biggest thing is let him be who he is. And one thing that Rudy gets praised for is his baseball instincts, right? Everyone right. praises his instincts. So let him be himself, and then let his instincts kick into gear and let him make the adjustments he has to make. You're talking about a kid with a high baseball IQ who knows what he's doing and who believes in his approach. So let him play his game, and then as the season goes on, he's going to see what he has to do in order to get better. 
So, this guy wants to be an elite level player, so he's not going to settle for you know not getting that done. I think the bigger thing with Ruggie, uh and I and I saw him down in uh, Round Rock after I was down there to do something that actually on Matt Harrison, but but he was there and he, and he went opposite field, uh, and that was one of the things they really want to see him do uh, as well is go with the pitch a little more instead of trying to to yank everything. And then in the uh, in, in spring training, the three run homer there to opposite field there, and, and that was just yeah. a shot. The know? one in uh, Glendale, yeah. yeah. Uh, and to, to me, yeah. that's the really impressive thing. Uh, you because we you hear that all the time, Michael about guys look at the power this guy has he can go the opposite way and this is a, a second baseman who's about 5 2 100 and you know 65 pounds he's listed at 511 but he did admit to me he is not 511 no he is not 511 to have that no. kind of power in that in that smaller package that's that's really impressive I, well yeah but i think the biggest thing too is i think yes rugi is short <laughs> he's definitely short <laughs> but his lower half i mean this is a he's a dynamo of uh i mean he's not he's he's a small package but it's a sturdy strong kid his lower half is as strong as anybody on our team so i mean and, and you always generate power in your swing from the ground up so i mean he is short so he's not going to get that classic tall guy leverage in his swing but um like you said i mean he's a he's a strong kid and um you know he may be five eight five nine five ten but the dude plays like he's six five so that's a that's a huge thing when you talk about baseball mentality michael there are uh, I don't know if you – I know you – actually, I do know because you read our paper religiously, at least online. You read everything that I write and then call me and let me know how wrong I was. But um, I, I did pick the Texas Rangers to win the World Series this year um, in our little yeah. selector's box. Homer. Um, and I I do answer to the name Homer. But here's the thing. There are two things that do potentially present itself to me as, as possible concerns. One is the rotation depth. And, and the other is, and I, I, I think that if you look at this club a little bit versus Houston potentially, the Houston's a younger club with potentially more energy. This club has more uh, senior position players, and there are some guys in the rotation with a little bit more experience. Uh, either of those things a concern for you? Well, I wouldn't say it's a concern, but, I mean, at the same time, it's something that you have to kind of gauge as the season progresses. Yeah, I mean, Houston is a very young team, so they're going to be able to bounce out of bed and be physically ready to play. But you talk about our guys, and you have you do have veteran guys who are probably going to maybe need a couple of days off here and there. But you also have baseball is mental. It is a game of mental toughness, of, of, of perseverance, of being able to withstand the grind of a season physically and mentally. And we have guys who are big game tested. Our veteran players aren't just guys who have just racked up mileage on their bodies. They have racked up mileage in big games, in big situations. And those things are going to come into play during big regular season games and during postseason games. So, yeah, I mean, it, you, you talk about two different things, really. I mean, I do agree with you that, yeah, Houston does have a very, very young core, and they're a very talented group, and they're going to be a good team, without a doubt. And they have the reigning you know, Cy Young Award winner on the mound on opening day. Um, and but, the reigning I mean, I, Rookie I of the Year. He's okay. He's okay. He's okay. Yeah, he is okay. I will point out. He's okay if you like six three, five foot shortstop. But I will point out my favorite. This is where I will point out my favorite stat of the offseason, which is this: Carlos Correa is seven months younger than Rugnet Odor. Rugnet Odor came back from uh, Round Rock on June fifteenth. From June fifteenth until the end of the season, Odor Carlos Correa. Right? Is that what it was? Yeah, same OPS. Identical OPS eight sixty one. So. When you're talking about young stars, I think Odor has to be included in that conversation. 
Yeah, they're they're both fantastic. Carlos Correa is an absolute great, great player, and he's a lot of fun to watch. He's a division rival, but as a baseball fan, you have to love watching that kid play. So I, I agree. I, I I really enjoyed watching him. Last as year. long as we're talking about Rugi, how early were you on Rugi? When did you know that this guy would be something potentially special? I remember I sat, uh, when I retired, I didn't take the job of the team right away. I wanted a little bit of time away. Uh, sometime at that point, that summer, I, I asked J.D., I'm like, hey, man, I'm like, you know, this second baseman you got coming up is an absolute stud. Um, and that was the first time I really kind of got a chance to really, you know, watch him, check him out, watch him play. That was in 2014. Obviously, he got called up that year. That was his first call-up season. Um, but uh, it was, I mean, it was early. But, like, I'm, I'm not trying to say that. I'm the only one. I mean, the whole organization has loved this kid since the day he signed. Uh, there's not much not to like. I mean, especially if you like guys who really, really attack the game and have that aggressive mentality to, towards playing baseball. Uh, the kid's a gamer, man. He loves to play, and he's a, he's a lot of fun to watch. Michael, you did not you did not address the the starting rotation depth. Are you concerned? Um, no, I'm not. I'm not concerned. Obviously, getting you back is going to solve a lot of those issues. I mean, when you have a guy who's who can compete for Cy Youngs, who is chomping at the bit and ready to come back in May, that makes you feel a lot better about your starting pitcher depth. Um, now, granted, he's going to be coming back from Tommy John, so he's not going to be in a position where he's just going to let it eat. But at the same time, he's going to be able to make his starts. He's going to build up strength, and he's going to be good. And I think I have a level of optimism because I saw him in spring training. He's in unbelievable shape. He was killing the weight room. He already feels like he's throwing well in his pens. Um, use a different cat, man. I mean, the, all the same rules might not apply to him that apply to everyone else coming back from Tommy John. I mean, he's a different, different body, unique pitcher. So that's going to solve a lot of issues in terms of starting pitcher depth. Michael, uh, I know what a big fan you were of Wash, uh, but uh, I've wondered uh, how you, from afar, have uh, and up close seen Jeff Bannister and what that would have been like to have played for him. It would have been great. I mean, I one, like you said, I do have a you know special place in my heart for Wash. I love the guy. Um, but, I mean, I've, I've gotten a chance to know Banny here over the last couple of years. Really respected how much he puts into this thing. He clearly loves the game. He loves, have, loves having a uniform on. Uh, he loves being, you know, has the opportunity to coach up players. So it, it, they're, they're different guys, but they place a massive premium on making sure their players are in a good spot to succeed. Uh, and being able to kind of see that from, from my angle right now, from, you know, from, from this set of eyes, from behind, um, I guess, in the front office, so to speak, is uh, is a very very unique thing for me, and I've enjoyed it. You know, uh, last year was a they start out tough, and boom, next thing you know, they're they're pouring champagne on each other at the end of the season. So that says it all right there for a guy in his first year on the job. All right, before we let you go to Zumba class, um, uh, very quick question: uh, Who? A couple of quick questions. Who is the most important player on the Rangers' twenty-five man roster? Who is the most important player on the Rangers' twenty-five man? Is that what you said? Yes. Oh man, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, this is going to be a, a very, very generic answer, but I, I believe it to be true. This, we, we just talked about Rugi, we talked about Darvish, we talked about our bullpen. Obviously, we have Cole Hamels going today, one of the best pitchers in the game. But I still think that this team is going to go as far as Prince and Adrian take them. I mean, those two guys are the heartbeat of the team in the clubhouse and on the field. Um, they both had big, big years last year. If they can go out there and do what they did now for a full season again, this team is going to be in a great situation. Those two guys are, I don't want to say impossible, but extremely difficult to replace. 
So if Adrian and Prince go out there, do what they usually do, set the tone for our team uh, on the field and in the clubhouse, we're going to be in great shape. Uh, I disagree with you. I've got Cole as the number one and most important guy, just because an no, ace is that's an fine. ace. No, no, no one cares about your opinion. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Here, you. Let's, let's talk again. I, that's that. That sounds like important. All right, Adrian and, and Prince are. Again. That's it. That's last, a, that no, sounds, no, I, I, I love, I, I, I love Cole. Cole's a stud. I, I play with him in Philly. I, I saw what he was able, was capable of doing last year. You can make that argument very, very easily. Uh, like you said, an ace is an ace, and the, to have a guy set the tone for a rotation is. It's really priceless, actually. Um, so, yeah, argument can be made both ways. All right, last question for you, since I know you're going to pick the Rangers to win the World Series, but who do they defeat in the World Series? Oh, man, who do they defeat? Um, I think they defeat the Mets uh, in the World Series. Um, I just think the, the Mets have – the starting pitching they have right now is absolutely insane. And they seem to have not figured out, but it kind of tapped the holy grail, which is you have – this dominant starting pitching all in their pre-free agent years. So, I mean, it's, they're, they're not, not just incredibly talented, but they're incredibly young. So they're going to have resilient bodies. They're going to kind of have that really aggressive mentality. And I just think over 162, it's going to be really, really difficult to put that team in any kind of cold stretch because they're going to have someone on the mound every night who can snap them back into a good, into a good spot. Michael, thanks. We have to wrap this up, but thanks for being with us, and thanks for suggesting a new name for this podcast. No one cares what Ed thinks. I think, I think. There you go. Yeah, it's perfect. I think it's perfect. I think no one cares would, would be a perfect name just for the general podcast. Michael, also <laughs> want to congratulate you on being named to our all uh, Rangers uh, Astros rivalry team as the quote unquote utility guy because of all the positions you played in your career. Thank you. One of the, is that Thank one of the greatest cool. one of the greatest honors you've had uh, in in baseball? Isn't it? Have ten. It, it's the greatest. To have, Jerry, to have yeah. Jerry Fraley and Evan Grant pick you. All right. Well, you go ahead and, and get limbered up. I know that uh, Jazzercise is starting soon, so we will talk to you soon, all right? Don't be jealous, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael. All right, guys. You have a good one, all right? So is it was it Zumba or is it Jazzercise? Is, is he on fly? What, what is he well, doing? Well, since he's retired, I think he's got to be at the YMCA Silver Sneakers class. I think that's that's kind of mandatory. Don't you have to go into the Silver Sneakers class? I don't I, I don't even know what the Silver Sneakers class is. I, I Thankfully, go, I, I don't know I, that either. I go on my daily walk. I, okay. Yeah. Um, Are we going to have our next guest on now? We're going to have him on in a few minutes. Let's, in let's, a few minutes? Yeah. Let's How long is this podcast going to be? Let's talk for a few minutes. Let's talk. <laughs> You know what? Here was the only problem I had with that with that particular interview with Michael. Evan asked too many questions. No, he, no, no. He, he Evan, Evan, this out. Evan talked way too much. Yeah, he, I'd much rather have heard Michael than Evan. Okay. <laughs> Evan, don't feel bad. Oh, look at him. He's pouting. What? what I thought you were going to bring up a real problem. <laughs> He's pouting. You, are you not concerned about? I'm more concerned about the starting rotation. Yeah, I'm more. That's, that's that's one of the things I wrote about. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a I think it's a legitimate concern. You don't here. have to be a baseball Einstein to come up with that. Of course, I mean that, that's well. Uh, actually, no, 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 no. Because I'm hearing from a number of fans who are saying, "Well, why would they be worried about trade? Why not just run AJ Griffin out there for the two or three yeah. starts?" No. Here's the thing: you can never ever plan for what the future is going to hold. You've got a 36, almost 37-year-old Colby Lewis in your rotation Absolutely. who has multiple surgeries. You have got Derek Holland, who is a complete and total wild card. You have uh, um, potentially you, Darvish. Martin Perez. Martin Perez, who has you know made made significant progress, 
But again, he does have an injury history, and he has been a little bit erratic on the mound. And God forbid anything happens to Cole Hamels. So right. I, I think, you know, when I've talked to scouts and, and executives, you know, my my kind of envisionment of a envisionment it's not even a word <laughs> but my the way i envision a rotation nowadays it's is you kind of have to have a 10 man pool what? from which to pick Well you got at least have 8 or 9 and, and they but don't have most, that right now. most scouts now and most gms i think are starting to move towards the idea that we're creating an 8 man rotation if, yeah. and that may mean that there are going to be some guys in the minor leagues the Rangers would be in better shape if Nick Martinez and Chichi Gonzalez well, had shown up this spring. Here's the issue: but they did. if everybody's healthy going into the season and and everything was fine with every pitcher you just named, you still have to be worried because something can happen. Well, always the season begins. Always, well, I think, but the yeah, you're right. But thank I think, you. I think, but the the thing is, is that uh, and the and the Rangers have been in this spot now forever. And where they constantly go in, and they said, "All right, all right, this is true. We need to have eight guys." Well, and they just don't have those eight guys. No. Chichi has not made a stride. Nick Martinez is, the, is who he the is. The biggest disappointment in spring training was the fact that Chichi Gonzalez and Nick Martinez did not do anything to give the range to no. inspire any confidence in the Rangers. And, and, and this and this rotation has too many guys giving up. Uh, bombs, you know, you have and AJ Griffin led the American led the majors in home runs the last time he pitched on a regular basis. Yes, and that, and that's the thing, you know, you're, I'm watching him in Glendale, right? And he's throwing that curveball, and he's just fooling everybody. And then he throws that fastball, and and, and somebody hits it, you know, 450 miles, feet. Yeah. Right. And 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 that's the problem is that he can't throw that curveball 90 percent of the time. And again, in in the way in my envisionment of a rotation. <laughs> You know, A.J. Griffin, you add him to the 40-man roster, and then you can option him. And he right. does become a, a legitimate depth option. If you do bring in a guy like the Rangers have talked about in the recent weeks, which was one of the Cleveland Indians pitchers, either Cody Anderson or Trevor Bauer or Josh Tomlin, it doesn't look right now like that's going to happen. But the Rangers are going to hold off until the last possible minute, until they have to, to bring Griffin to the, to the big leagues. I, I do think that – that on the positive side of that, look, if you can get through these this first month, you do potentially have Darvish. And I do think that even though Darvish will be working back into shape, you is kind of an outlier in terms of his ability to pitch. Are you saying that I'm an outlier? Perform. No, you. You, you Darvish. Not that, you. that would be so, you, so are are you are. So are you saying then that, oh, come August 1st, this rotation will look a lot different? Uh, I think it might because I think that— We'll have to. We'll I, have to. I think the Rangers have the currency and the ability— to go out and get another guy that puts them over the top, whether it's my man crush, Sonny Gray, or it's potentially a guy like Whoa. Homer Bailey who will be back from the deal at that point in time, or who knows, if the White Sox fall flat on the face, might the Chris Sale conversation come back around. But if you go into August and September with Hamels, Darvish, and one of those other guys, Sonny Gray, you're a prohibitive favorite to go to the World Series. What, what, Everybody's uh, healthy and good. What, yeah. would, what would one of those aces cost them? Oh, it's going to cost two or three of your top prospects plus. Um, Let me have a couple of names. Look, I mean, the names that everybody will ask for will be Profar, Mazzara, Gallo, Brinson. Those four guys. Not all four of them. Just Not all four of them, right. but the package will include some right. of that. And they'll be asking for one of the younger pitchers, either a Dylan Tate or a Luis Ortiz or potentially a Brett Martin. So How far away are the young pitchers? The Tate, young pitchers. Tate and Ortiz. The, the three guys that I mentioned are all going to start at – at uh, Baker's, I mean Baker's, at High Desert or below. So I think that even though the Rangers feel Ortiz could come pretty quickly and Tate for that matter as well, I think you're not looking at those guys being factors until sometime in 2017. And let's let's say how old are uh, Sonny Gray and Chris Sale? 
Sonny Gray, I don't. Uh, uh, isn't, isn't he like twenty eight? Sonny Gray is is pre arb is is not even arbitration eligible yet. Um, and Sale is older. Let me. Um, I don't think I don't even think Sale's. Are. And to me, that's the key on this kind of thing. It, it, it's are just you, like do you have a Sale crush or a Gray crush. Uh, you know, I gotta say, I I think Sale. I kind of like lefty. Sale better. Like yeah, him. he's really good. He he's he really screws up. Uh, hitters heads uh the, the thing that uh about the cole hamels deal that i like so much was that it was not a rental you know right. this was a guy who was going to be here for several years sale and, just turned 27 and uh gray turns 27 in november so we're so, talking about guys who are, are, are heading into their prime now uh, but but i will say this sale has a lot of innings on his arm already he does. He, he does, um, and and that's a and that's kind of a a crazy motion that he has there, and yeah. maybe maybe you would be a little scared off by that. So maybe 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 there, there are there are some potential injury concerns, but um, but those are two very very uh, high end uh, pitchers who are still haven't even reached their prime yet. So to me, that's the issue on on making a deal well, with those guys. If you if you make a trade. Uh, that that's that's the kind of guy you want to make a trade for is yeah, a pitcher. It's got to be a top of the rotation caliber pitcher, and the idea would be that he doesn't have to necessarily go to the very top of this rotation. And, 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 and are those guys uh, rentals? No, no, those guys are not rentals. Those no. guys, Gray, would be controllable for multiple years, and and I'm not sure exactly what sales contract is, but I think he'd be controllable for. He's a really good. He's a really good uh, team friendly. friendly contract. I'd like to hear what Richard Justice has to say about this. All right, well, let's get to Richard right now. Joining us from the press box in Arlington, he's apparently there before even I am, is uh, Richard Justice of MLB.com, noted national columnist, also son of Texas, who knows the American League West extremely well, particularly the Rangers and Astros. But Richard, before we get to the head-to-head race between the Rangers and Astros that we all expect will develop. The pressing question right now is the Rangers' rotation depth. Uh, How do you feel about that? Well, I think uh, they're a team that could win 90-plus games, but they're a team that could struggle because what are you going to get? You know, things you guys have talked about a hundred times. Every team seems to have an X factor. With the Rangers, is Martin Perez, Hugh Darvish, Derek Holland. If we're looking up, we look up in August and September, and Darvish and Hamels and Martin Perez and, and, and Darvish are rolling out quality starts. This is a team that can win the, win the division by five or six games and play way deep into October. But there's a certain unknown quantity. You know, you can't fix everything in the off season. They're they're a good team in every other area. Their bullpen is scary good. So we'll get to go see. Well, Evan wants Evan is uh, has a particular pitcher he wants the Rangers to add. Evan, why don't you tell Richard who it is? I I, I I'm not campaigning for yes, him you. Yes, you are. But you I, are campaigning. You, you, just you are. It, okay? you, you just told Michael Young you were. Okay, Richard, I yeah. have I I have Evan. a I have a man crush on Sonny Gray. Do you think he's? <laughs> uh, do you think at some point in time this year Billy Bean makes him available for the right price? Today. They think they're pretty good. They think, like, four years ago, we've accumulated all this young pitching and we've got a chance to compete. But that's that's why Sonny Gray... Also, medical up. marijuana is legal in California. I'd like to point that out, too. Okay, Sonny Gray's <laughs> name comes up over and over again what? because Billy will trade any player at any time. And But I'm telling you, you trade, you, you do that deal, you're going to have to dig deep into the farm system so you just knock off the three or four top names in your in your uh, in, uh, on your prospects list on the other hand if you get sunny gray doesn't matter now you've got the best rotation in baseball potentially 
And you've got and he's controllable. And if you're the Rangers, do you not have the currency to potentially make a trade, whether it's Sonny Gray or if he's healthy, a Homer Bailey, or by some chance if Chris Sale is available, don't you have the currency to make that trade and still have something of a productive farm system? Yeah, that's why you're. The, that's why John Daniels is great at what he's done. I mean, he he has he. They have. I mean, yeah, they have a very deep farm system. And how many teams can you say that about? I mean, Houston farm system's a little bit weaker. I think Boston's pretty good. There are not many teams that can make a deal for a Sonny Gray. I think maybe even the Yankees could, but the Rangers are one of those teams. And, and but. Uh, not today. That's not a deal that's going to happen today. That's a deal that's going to happen, A, when Billy Bean gets angry about something, or you just sweep him off his feet in terms of prospects. But Billy Bean could get angry today, which yes. he, he's known to do. Yeah, right, and, I'm <laughs> well, getting angry, yeah. and I'm getting angry now just waiting for Evan to be quiet. Let me ask a question. Uh, all right, you're, you're Mr. Houston. You're Mr. Houston. So what has become the biggest rivalry in sports is now the Astros and Rangers. Is that not right? In sports? It's all sports. Well, well, all of sports. You're a homer. All of sports. Apparently, it's uh, the biggest rivalry in sports is between you and Tommy Bonk over who named five <laughs> That is That is not oh, true. Tommy Bonk did. Tommy did. Tommy did. I, I promised I was going to tell that story someday about how Tommy did that, but that, that's for another day. I, I, I really do think no, I, it's not the biggest in all of sports, but the, you know the, this rivalry has never meant anything in the in, in the history of these two franchises. They, they were just two ships well, passing in the night, and now because of last year, this is a great rivalry. Well, because they're in the same. Well, division. what I yes. saw was last year down the stretch. Last year was both teams were so focused on themselves you couldn't even worry about the other team. The the the, the Astros were treading water, trying to trying to keep from blowing a pay a playoff position. And the Rangers had come from nowhere. Their team had been remade. And so maybe it happens. I think it doesn't happen in September. But, look, the Dodgers and Giants, the Red Sox and Yankees, uh, we're not quite there yet. But it has a chance to be interesting. And you can see it in the regular season when there's an extra vibe, especially in the ballpark in Houston. The difference, I think, is the way the two cities look at each other. Having grown up in Dallas, near Dallas, Locks of Hatchie. Yeah, I always had the feeling that Dallasites really didn't even know where Houston was, didn't even know it was in the state, whereas Houstonians, and I, I think in this conversation we have one Houstonian, uh, there was sort of an obsession with Dallas, all those Super Bowl trophies, all that, those TV shows and all that stuff. Am, am I? You think I'm right about that? I think you are. You know, as someone who was born in Dallas, grew up in Houston, came back here 31 years as, ago. You came back to Dallas as quick as you could get ah, here. Yeah, right? quick so as the rivalry... Yeah, it's it's not it's never been you know the 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 feeling in this town has always been Dallas has looked down its nose at Houston, um, right? And, and, and rightfully it, so. And, and Houston fans in general, but the the city in general has always just kind of had an attitude like, hey, we're we you know we're good with everybody here. Why why does everybody hate us? Uh, and and I think that the and then there's certainly a world as I was growing up there, an Oiler fan as a kid, and then there would be all these people who were trying to pull for the Cowboys. I just never understood that. How can you pull for a team that's not even in your city? Uh, cool. what, would drive, what drove Houston fans crazy was that uh, their team, their football team, would be seven and one, and the Cowboys would be one and seven, and there was still more interest in the Cowboys. That was just infuriating to them, and that to me, that the rivalry has to go both ways. So 
I don't think Rangers fans see the Astros as a rival yet, but you know, you guys are closer to it than I. Am. Oh, I, I, I think there's much more of an idea of a rivalry now between Rangers and Astros fans than there ever was between Cowboys and, and Oilers or Texans fans. I, I the question I'd have is I'm not is, talking about just the bad feeling in the press box. You know, you yes, got to bring the fans. Uh-huh. I'm aware of that, and and we know about the bad feelings whenever you and I are together. But the the question I'd have more for Kevin is, are Rangers Astros more of an actual rivalry now than say, is the Mavs Rockets a rivalry? No, nah, you know it's the, the, the Mavs Spur- Mavs Spurs Spurs is a great rivalry. Right. The Mavs Rocket has not been that, uh, and it it could develop into that. But here's to me what makes this- I mean because both these teams are fighting for the number eight spot. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. No, the, what makes this going to be a great rivalry? I think is the fact. I love when you crack yourself up. It's it. not a one year deal. <laughs> You know, this is, this is not a one-year deal. You can look down the road and see this Astros team, which I, I think the average age of that starting lineup, excluding pitchers, is like you know twenty-five or six. It's it's ridiculous what their average age is, and and the and the and the Rangers don't have that. You know, they're a much older team. Uh, although I think it's interesting the fact that the rotations are about the same age. Uh, but but you know, I think to me that's what fans see is that these teams are going to be good. For a long time, it's it, not something that's just a one-year deal. It's a potential rivalry, I think, is a better way to say. Yeah, it. I, I, no, they, I think it's already a rivalry, it's a budding but budding rivalry, budding. Yeah, yeah I like but it. I think it's really getting there. I, I think that you can see that, and and I think that people are going to be people in this market are going to look at a guy like Carlos Correa and say, "Wow, I remember when we used to have you know players like that, a guy who's just uh, above the field." I think uh, it's impossible to look at Carlos Correa and not. Just love what you see. Even even though he plays, whether you're a Ranger fan and he's playing for the Astros or not, I, I think you watch what he does on the field. And Richard, you saw him more than we did last year. But the, it, it does. He is the kind of, of player that's a once in a generational guy that that kind of takes your breath away on the field, isn't he? Yeah. And when he was 17 or 18 years old, you would hear from the minor league managers. Uh, he owned the club the moment he walked in the door. He walked in with such poise and all that. And what's fun about the Astros, and here's what you hope they don't lose, they were reckless on the bases last year. There was a sense of aggressiveness. They were loud in the dugout. They they clearly had a great time. So you're going to lose that. Is that their personality going forward? That that stems from George Springer, who's really their their spark plug in terms of personality. And can you keep that going? Can you still have fun when you have expectations and guys start to worry about their money and all that stuff? I think so. I think the manager and I think – Correa and Springer have such a carefree attitude about it that you, you you're not going to lose that. But you know you, we'll see as it plays out. Obviously, you know you're never. Tony Lewis always said you have to change the group dynamics every year because the group dynamics are going to change every year anyway. So there will be changes. The, Richard, the one thing that I think so much of this race will come down to is is the starting pitching and. Uh, in talking with Michael Young a little while ago, we discussed a little bit about pitching depth. And, and I think both Kevin and I and, and Barry as well have concerns about the Rangers' the Rangers' depth in the rotation. Uh, compared head-to-head, is there a comparison there between the Rangers and Astros? Yeah, there's a big comparison. In it, and uh, just as the Rangers really need you, Darvish, to come back and be productive in the last two months of the season, or whatever they hope to get out of from a, at a high level. The Astros really need Lance McCullers. He gives the whole rotation a different look. He's the only guy that throws 90 miles an hour. Now, if Doug Fister is good, and he's had a bad spring, if Doug Fister is good, that can make up a lot of that. 
because there's then there's a gap where you say, oh, they have position players ready to go in the big leagues. They have a young third baseman, Colin Moran, a first baseman, A.J. Reed, who's not too far away. They have people they can fill in there. But their pitching that they really like is maybe a year a year away at least. So it's it's big that Lance McCullers come back because it 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 might not be a special rotation without him. Now Doug Fister, that's interesting you brought oh, that up because Kevin's, there's a guy that Kevin's I crush. Yeah, well I said that this is a guy that they, they should have tried to add and and tell us a little bit. The Rangers, you, you, you mean the Rangers? The Rangers, yeah. You you said that uh, that they were um, he did not have a good spring. What was the concern? I think it was, you know, tall guys, it takes a while to work on their mechanics. Here's the bottom line. Last year, he got hurt. He came back. His mechanics got all screwed up. First, he tried to pitch through the injury. That's a bad thing. But, you know, competitive people in a contract year, they do that. Then he came back. He was terrible. They moved him to the bullpen. He finally gathered himself in the last month of the season, pitched very well out of the bullpen. So, there. I mean, I trust the Astros in terms of their decision-making. If he's healthy, he's going to be a guy that can approach 180, 200 innings and really transform the rotation. Because now if you got Fister at a high level and you got McCullers coming back and with Keuchel and McHugh, you got a good group there. All right, Richard, before we let you go on our opening day spectacular, uh, do you have a World Series prediction for us? The, uh, the, I think the Cubs are the chalk. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the American League, what's different about the American League this year? I, I don't mean, that doesn't mean the Chalk's going to win. I, I spent a lot of time with the Cardinals, and they are so thrilled that people are overlooking them. Uh, in the American League, what's different to me is all 15 teams. I don't know if this has ever happened before. See a path to the postseason, so that makes for chaos. So you can make a case for Toronto, Texas, Houston, Kansas City. But let's just stay with Kansas City. I mean, they've been two years in a row. They got a good vibe going. But the Rangers could easily be there. I think the Yankees could easily be there. The Red Sox are a lot of people's picks, so that's uh, we don't know. Uh, you, you haven't mentioned that for a pick. You have that's great. You haven't mentioned the other two teams in the AL West. Uh, the other three oh, teams. Well, let me just mention Oakland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me just mention Oakland. They have they have a ton of young pitching. They love their young pitching. I'm sure Evan saw a lot of them in spring training. They think they're pretty darn good. And with Seattle, yeah, to me, it's just as simple as. They remade their team. It's going to be a while before we know what they are. But if Taiwan Walker is the guy he was projected to be, that rotation is really good. Because I think Wade Miley's going to be good. I think Nate, Nate Carnes is going to be good. And we know about King Felix. So, you know, are they going to score enough runs? They're not going to score as many runs as the Rangers and Astros. But is it enough? We get, we get to see. So, in other words, the Cubs are going to play an all-star team of all the American League clubs. Yeah, I, the Cubs, I can't see a weakness the more I look at them. All right, so who are they well, playing in the World Series? Let's have an answer. <laughs> Evan is tough. Look at Evan. Wow. If, if like you, he wants answers. answers. Okay. Richard, get, I'll give you okay. a clue. Richard, I, I, I said most, Toronto. Go with Toronto. On most shows, I've picked the Astros. I've said the Astros are the most logical pick. But the more I've seen a Toronto in spring training, I would say Toronto might be better than the Astros, and I kind of trust them, I think. I think that middle of that rotation would happen. Those guys are going to be okay. And Aaron Sanchez is a game changer in the rotation. He might be better than Darvish, and he might be better than McCullers, and he could he could win the World Series for them just to stack him behind Stroman and those guys. All right, so you've got the Cubs and the Blue Jays. Blue Jays. That's today. <laughs> now, if I'm doing a if I'm doing a show in say New York, I got to go with the Yankees. 
Yankees Mets, you're going to go to the Subway Series in New York? Yes. Okay. If I'm doing a Kansas City show, well, they don't ask me to. It doesn't matter. <laughs> be Kansas City. All right, Richard, you can come back here anytime, though. We love having you on here. Yes, and for, as as appearing a, as a for appearing as a guest on the Ballsy Podcast today, you will get a firm handshake from me when I see you in the press box. So, thank you very much. I, I just want to say that that video of the hickory pig. The first thing I'm going to do when the I'm wicked pig, pig, not the hickory <laughs> pig. <laughs> what did I call it? Oh, the wicked pig. You I'm call sorry. it the hickory the, pig. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look. I look forward to sharing. I love a, clubhouse talk. I look forward to sharing a wicked pig with you out at the ballpark, and maybe someday it'll be me, you, and Sonny Gray all sharing that wicked pig, Richard. <laughs> Thanks for having me, boys. All right, we'll see you soon. Okay, boy, is he terrific, isn't okay. he? He's, a, he's, he's really the best. He, he's, he's a pro. The there okay. he goes. Is he still? Is he off the line now? Now Riding we can say what we really think. Yeah, yeah. Riding off into the sunset. There goes Richard Justice of MLB.com. <laughs> we have put together a forty-five minute opening day spectacular. With spectacular two is guests. the right word too. I think with two guests. Yeah, two for one. Um, it, it's two been spectacular guests. Two yeah. spectacular guests and three average hosts. Yeah, Mo, yeah. Larry, um, Mo, Larry, Curly. We did a good job. Which one are we? Uh, you're, you're curly. You have no hair. <laughs> wow. Oh, Evan has no hair. no hair. I love being the guy with the most hair on the you podcast. You would definitely yeah. be Larry. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's right. So anyway, uh, Kevin, I picked Rangers over the Dodgers because yeah. for some reason I still am fixated on Clayton Kershaw. What was your World Series pick? Toronto over the Dodgers. Toronto over the Dodgers. On, on Fox Sports Southwest last week, I picked the Rangers and the Mets, and then I picked the Rangers because you know me, I'm Mr. Homer. Well, you are a double Homer. Mets, hey, I picked Mets, up, and I, uh, well, I mean, the I, I grew up a Yankee fan, but I also picked Oklahoma to win the. Uh, yeah, good, football, good pick on that. College football playoffs and Oklahoma to win the Final Four. Let me just ask you a, a, a Final Four question here on our little podcast. Would it have been better have not to have made the Final Four at all than to have set a record for the worst defeat ever? I couldn't believe – I didn't watch the game, <laughs> and I looked at my I don't app. Think, I don't think very many Sooner fans watched the game. Later on, and I, I, I said, this can't be right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A 44-point deficit. All right, guys, Ugh. 44 points and 47 minutes of podcasting. So let's get out of here. Uh, let's get to the ballpark and, and for opening day. Let's play two. For, uh, for Evan Grant, boy, Ernie. Kevin Sherrington, Barry Horn, this has been the Ballsy Podcast. Remember, you can find us at Ballsy, B-A-L-L-Z-Y, Z. podcast on the iTunes and the Android and, store. And don't forget, today we, uh, this week we'll also have Babe Laufenberg on with us to talk quarterbacks and the Cowboys. Be sure to subscribe as well. Bye. 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 Bye.